We turn in God's Word this morning to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12 this morning, but our text will be particularly verses 9 and 10. The request of a member a while back made the suggestion that it might be good to have a series on church, church membership, church responsibilities, what it truly means to be the church. We're going to take the next four Lord's Days to use that as our theme and to dig into God's Word. This morning, though, we before we can talk about all that is involved being part of the church, we have to know what the church is. And I will begin by saying to you that the church is the most loved organism in the entire world. And I use the church word organism because it's living. It's not an organization. It's not dead. It's alive. And God loves the church. Oftentimes we talk about God's love for me or God's love for you. And certainly that is true. God does love us as individuals. And part of what is happening in our world and in our society is because we're in this elevation of self, elevation of individuals, that has overshadowed the understanding of the fact that God has love for the church. God's love for you is only because God loves the bride of Christ. God loves you only because you are part of the church. He doesn't love you because of you. That's just self-inflated egoism. God loves you because you are part of the body of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Therefore, God loves you. All that we've talked about, about from Isaiah chapter 9, about the reason for God sending his son, that was all in terms of not individual talk, but it was termed in terms of covenant talk. God was speaking to his people in the Old Testament, the body of Christ, the church. He now speaks to us from the New Testament in this passage from Peter. Not speaking to us individually, although we can apply it individually, we can apply it to ourselves as individuals only as it applies to the body of Christ, the church. And so this morning... How does God choose to describe the church? We read then 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, 
But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Thus far, the reading of God's Word. Let's again bow in prayer. Shall we join together in prayer? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, we just praise you that you have called us out of darkness into your, your wonderful light. And we just thank you and praise you, Father, for once again giving us the opportunity to freely meet together, whether here or by live stream. Father, that uh, we will open your Word. We just pray that you'll prepare our hearts to receive it. Be with Pastor Bob as he brings this word this morning. Give him everything that he stands in need of. We just praise you, Father, for the preparation that's gone into this day, that uh, we will expect great things from your word. All of this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior, alone we pray. Amen. And amen. So this morning, Mindy and Max joined Little Farms Chapel. They joined themselves to the visible church that is present here at 2518 Arthur Street. They made commitments. They made vows. They have joined the visible church. And we trust that the profession that they made this morning is a true profession. So they joined not only a visible church here present, but they joined the church of Jesus Christ. They are part of the body of Christ. They're not just part of the body here locally at this particular place, but they are part of the body of Christ. But before I begin, I, I must say, because of the text itself, the one that the the rejection of Jesus Christ, there are many who, who might be visible members of the church. They might have joined a church. They might be part of a visible local body of Christ. But they've never really come to Christ. They really don't know Him as Savior. They don't know Him as Lord. They might have joined a organization, but they didn't join the organism. 
They didn't join the living church, the living body of Christ. And so each one of us is indeed called to examine our own hearts. Yes, I may be a member here at Little Farms. I might have been a member for a long period of time. But is it a true membership in the church of Jesus Christ? Do I really know Jesus as my Lord? Is I really, do I really know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? On the other hand, we also have to look at, and perhaps those watching by live stream who aren't part of the body of Christ here, or maybe visitors and guests, we have to ask the question as well, you realize, I hope, the importance of joining a local body. If, if you're not part of the local body of Christ, the visible body of Christ, then you're saying, I don't want to be a part of Christ. I don't want to be a part of his body because this is the way that Christ seeks to manifest his presence in the world through the church of Jesus Christ. So if you've never joined the local body of Christ because all you think is, oh, there's just sinners there, admit it, that's all there are here is sinners. If you think, uh, well, I'm not joining, they're a bunch of hypocrites, that's true. We are. But we're saved hypocrites. We're saved sinners who are striving to live for the glory of God. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. But you need to understand that the most loved thing in this universe is the church of Jesus Christ. And if you're not part of the most loved thing in this world, then you seriously have to reflect on, then where does that place me in my relationship to God? As God's word bears out. But what did and what are we part of when we join the body of Christ. What are we part of? Well, God describes it in these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. The church is chosen, point one. Point two, the church is sanctified. Point three, the church is loved. And fourthly, the church is called. First of all, the church is chosen. Pretty clear, right? Verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Notice, notice the, the understanding of the plural here, right? It's not you are a chosen person. You are a chosen race. He is addressing the church. Even as you go back to the opening of this book, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. He's not talking to single individuals. He is talking to the collection of the whole, the body of Christ, the church. And as we go back to that verse 1, notice how that corresponds to the words in verse 9. You are a chosen race. Verse 1, to those who are elect exiles. And so yes, this passage takes us back to the doctrine of election. We don't become by our own decisions, part of the body of Christ. 
And if you want to know why and how that all works, come tonight as we deal with the subject of free will. But it's clear here that we are chosen by God. It's not we chose God. It's not we chose to be a part of it. It's that God chose to incorporate us in. God elected us. God chose us and elected us out of all the peoples of the world. Why are we loved? Because we are an elected people. A people that, in the foreknowledge of God, verse 2, have been chosen out of the entire mass of humanity. When we read Jesus' parable about the narrow and wide ways, Jesus says that there are many on the way to destruction. And there are but few on the way to eternal life. The vast majority of people that have been born, have lived, or ever will live upon this planet are people who are on their way to hell. They are people who are on the way to eternal damnation. They are people who are on that wide road. And there are but few Few walking the narrow way. Jesus' words, not mine. I, I'm not saying, well, that, that's just that reform doctrine. No, it isn't. That's, that's biblical doctrine. That's what Jesus said. Jesus told us. Many will go to destruction, but a few will be saved. What a blessing it is, then, to be one of those who is chosen by God. To be elected by God. That God, before the foundations of the world, has chosen us in Christ. His foreknowledge. Before this world came into existence. And the only way we can speak of that is in eternity. God had already planned and purposed to draw you into this Body that we call the church. Chosen. God had planned. And all of history is about God bringing into the church by his plan, by his purposes, those that he has elected. And so we go down to verse 9. Having seen that Peter's already introduced this in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now we go back to verse 9. Who are you? Who is the church? You are a chosen race. Chosen race. You, you want to talk about a passage that speaks to race in the world. There it is. Right? All, all this division into different Races. There are really only two races in this world. Oh, I know we, we speak of the human race, but actually we're, we got two, right? There is a chosen race and there is an unchosen one. We are part of the chosen race. People from across this globe, pictured for us in the book of Revelation, of all tribes, of all nations, of all tongues, of all colors of skin, the place where, where we ought to see the evidence 
of what true race is all about is in the church of Jesus Christ as brothers and sisters in our Lord and Savior because we all understand we have been chosen by God to be a part of this. No matter what our economic, no matter what our educational backgrounds, no matter what our looks, no matter what our idiosyncrasies are, God has chosen us. That's what you and I are a part of. That's what God is describing for us. That which is selected, that which is particular, that which is unique. God says, yeah. You, I love. You, I love. And I'm choosing you out of the entire human race to be my people, to be the church that I love more than anything else in this world. Chosen by God. Secondly, Peter goes on to identify the church as a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I use the word sanctified, and, and I do so because I go back to verse chapter 1 once again. Right? Verse 2. Elect exiles according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. When Peter uses this expression that we are a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, he's talking about the fact that, that we as the church are those who have been sanctified. Not by our works, not by our actions, not that which we have done, not by that which we have accomplished, but we have been sanctified by God. And those imageries that he is using, those pictures... A royal priesthood takes us back to the Old Testament. The first one, the royal priesthood, takes us back to Exodus chapter 29. Just keep your finger here at 1 Peter 2. Go back with me to, to Exodus chapter 29. God is organizing his people at Mount Sinai. He's organizing them as his covenant people. In chapter 28, we get these beautiful, beautiful clothing that the, that the high priest is supposed to be wearing as he goes about his work. And the clothing for the other priests who have been selected by God and chosen by God. Chapter 29 is the ceremony by which Aaron and his sons and the priest, high priest and priests thereafter are to be set apart for the service of God. See, that's what it means to be a royal priesthood. It means to be set apart for the service of God. We're not set apart to brag about ourselves. We're not set apart to serve ourselves. We are set apart for the purpose of service. And as part of that ceremony back there in Exodus chapter 29, as they're going through all sorts of things, you can read it later this afternoon, go down with me to verse 21 of chapter 29. One of the things that Moses was to do is then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil 
and you are to sprinkle it on Aaron and his son's garments and on his sons and his son's garments with him. He and his garments shall then be holy and his sons and his son's garments with him. He shall sprinkle it. Now, now if you go back to chapter 28, these are elaborate, beautiful sets of clothes. You know what Moses is supposed to do? Bring Aaron forward. Picture this as a bowl of blood. As Aaron comes forward, Moses says to him, Stand there, Aaron. Now think of that. Beautiful white clothing. What has just happened? There is blood all over it. Sprinkles of blood. That are going to be there forever and ever and ever. And what did that do? Exodus 29, 21. He shall be holy. Sanctified. Set apart. And you do it for his sons. And on their clothing as well. Set apart. What does Peter say? Verse 2, chapter 1. Who are we as the church of Jesus Christ? We are those who are sanctified by the blood of a bull, by the blood of a ram, by the blood of a heifer. No. Sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, that ceremony there in the Old Testament, chapter 29, was only a picture, only a glimpse of that which the church of Jesus Christ is. That's you and I. It's the body of Christ. Sprinkled with the blood of Christ. So that we are sanctified. Made holy. Set apart for his service. You are a chosen race. By God. You are sanctified. By God. Aaron didn't come up with this idea. Hey Moses, I think it'd be a nice idea if we had a ceremony by which I'm kind of made special as a priest. God comes and he says, no, this is what you do. We didn't come up with the idea of our being sanctified. We run the other way. We're the enemies of God. It's God who comes and says... By the blood of the Lamb of God, I set you apart as mine for service. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy nation. There's a picture there of, of Passover, again, as they, as they took the, the blood of that Passover lamb. And what do they do? They put it on their doorpost. But how do they do it? They sprinkle it. What, what does that do? It sets that home apart. It, 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 as it were, makes that home holy so that the angel of death does, does not enter that because the blood is sprinkled upon the doorpost. But there's an even more beautiful picture given to us in Exodus chapter 24 where we have the whole covenant that is made up there on Mount Sinai. Moses comes down and gives to them the law. And the people say, yes, 
We will do this. Yes, we desire to be in this covenant relationship. It's God who came and God who initiates this covenant. Go with me to Exodus chapter 24. Then God said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come up near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near and the people shall not come up with him. And then he gives them the instructions as to what they are to do. Go down to verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant, read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. Right? See, see the picture? I don't have to do it again, right? He took the blood and he threw it on the people. What does that do? Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. You're my people. You're my holy people. I've sanctified you by the blood. What did Peter just tell us in 1 Peter 1, verse 2? We're sanctified. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. What is the church? It's chosen. But it's not only chosen, it's been sanctified. Called to the service of the Lord. And in this passage, set apart for obedience to the Lord. We, as the church, are under a double obligation, as it were, to be the people who live in obedience to the Lord. Because we've been set apart. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the song Rock of Ages is all about. Washed in that blood of the covenant Lamb of God. Third, the church is loved by God. So let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. After saying that we are chosen, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, then he says we are a people for his own possession. A people for his own possession. The, the term a people for his own possession means a people that he has acquired. A people of acquisition. A people that have been bought. A per people that have been purchased. Purchased from where? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're, we're people who have been purchased from the clutches of Satan. We're people who have been redeemed from darkness, from our depravity, from our sinfulness. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. We're a people of His possession. But this is not a cold, emotionless statement. Right? It, it kind of sounds like a property statement. His possession. But you see, if we read it in light of the Old Testament, we read over and over again that the people of God are those who are his treasured possession. 
See, it's actually covenantal language. It's actually sort of marriage covenantal language. We are a people of his possession. We are a people of his covenant. We are people who are treasured. Why are we treasured? What does that mean? Because we're so valuable? No. Because we're so loved. We are loved by God. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5. Treasured possession. Deuteronomy 14 verse 2. A treasured possession. So that we might fully submit to Christ. Who are we? We are the church. Who is the possession of God. That, that we might fully submit ourselves. As his possession. As his bride. Treasured and loved. God, God doesn't choose us and sanctify us in some cold, calculated manner. It is out of love. Out of agape love. Out of a self-giving love. That's why it, it really does beautifully follow upon those last weeks of dealing with Isaiah 9 and the giving of his son and the celebration of Christmas where God becomes flesh. To what? To show his love for us. How? By dying. By dying. Dying to self. Right? There, there's the Ephesians 5 illustration for marriage. The dying to self. That a husband is to love his wife as Christ selflessly emptied and died for his bride, the church. And should not then the church faithfully, fully, Submit in obedience to the one who has died for her. Chosen by God. See, understand this. This is who you are. When we say we are the church of Jesus Christ, we're chosen by God. We're sanctified by God. We are loved by God. But we're also called. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why does God do this? God had nothing better to do in the times of eternity. God had nothing better to do in terms of his plans for the world. No, God has a purpose. God has a purpose for why he loves us. God has a plan for why he sanctifies us. God has a reason for why he chose us. What is it? We're called. To what? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. What's the point of the church? Why does God want this bride of Christ? 
Why does God want this chosen people? Why does God want us? So that we can sit around going, whew, escaped hell. So that we can go, well, that's kind of a nice place to get coffee and cookies at. Well, that's a kind of a fun place. They have some activities. and oh, There's people who take care of you there. There's people who provide for you. There's people who pray for you. That's not the point. Those might be side benefits, but they're not the reason. That we might proclaim. That we might declare that we might tell out. See, that, the word that's used here, that you may proclaim. We talk about the proclamation of the word, the announcing of that word. It takes us back to the person who, who used to be the, the, the city herald. Like as we sing in that Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angel Sings, the ones that announce that, that town crier, Hear ye! Hear ye! And all the town listens. What is the news? What's being announced? What's being told? Our responsibility in this world. Well, let me just have a nice quiet little house and my nice family and we'll just get along in life. Go on some nice vacations. Build up a bank account. Retire. Spend half my time in Florida. Ah, that's, what, that's why God called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called me out of darkness into his marvelous light so that I could just busy myself with all sorts of activities. So that I could be involved in everything that, that sports has to offer, everything a school has to offer. That I can just do all that. That's why God did that. God did that so, so I could spend countless hours upon my device. That I could be involved in all sorts of social media. God called me out of darkness in his marvelous light. That I might proclaim. To tell out. To announce publicly. To make known. To praise. What? What is it? What is it? Don't invent your own ideas. Don't invent your own thoughts as to what it is. What is it that the church is supposed to be doing? This is its number one priority. To proclaim what? His excellency. To speak of God highly. To speak of God's holiness. To speak of God's perfection. To speak of God's truth. To speak of God's goodness. To speak of God's mercy. To speak of God's grace. To speak of God's justice. To speak of God's purposes. To speak of God's plan. To speak of God's love. That's the point. 
That's why there's a church. That's our responsibility. That's what this community, that's what our state, that's what our nation, that's what our world is supposed to be hearing from little farms. That we are to be proclaiming the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Not our excellencies. Not our preferences. Him. And if I am part of the body of Christ, if I'm part of this organism, if I am one who is the bride of Christ, then it's not only the church, but that's me. Then my life is to be that as well. Are you doing so? Are we doing so? We stand at the threshold of a new year that lays behind, before us. God gives to us the responsibility in this year. Proclaim my excellencies. Proclaim my excellencies. Shout my praise. I think that makes us pretty positive people. I don't think that makes us negative. I, I don't think that makes us angry folks. I, I don't think that makes us rude folks, belligerent folks, hateful folks, vicious folks. That makes us people who are concentrating on God, His excellencies. Ah, people of God, church of Jesus Christ, chosen, sanctified, loved, and called. What a blessed organism we are a part of. What a blessed thing is the church. Mindy stood up and answered some questions. Max stood up, answered some questions, came, received baptism. It can all seem kind of rote. It can all seem kind of formal. But underneath that which looks orderly and decent and in good order, underneath that is this beautiful picture of what they and you and I are a part of. In my life, Lord, be glorified. In your church, Lord, be glorified. And the bride of Christ says, Amen.